Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we pick our favorite black and white movies. Plus, we get to the bottom of the show Rami and talk trivia. It's time for Categorized. I feel like I'm going to coast through the black and white movie discussion. We decided that this was the week we were going to look at every black and white movie that we possibly could and do a top three turf war about them. And I think mine's going to be pretty boring. So let's start with you. What is your number three black and white movie? My number three black and white movie is The Apartment, which I literally just finished watching. <laughs> oh, that's a great movie. It's really funny and well written and like it has a lot of heart. I, I really, really enjoy that movie. It also feels like risque for the time for some reason. Like the idea of this guy having an apartment so he can get laid. So his like coworkers can get laid. Yeah. It, it's absolutely, I think, risque at the time, but probably also like exactly what housewives were like whispering about, like, is my husband having an affair? And I guess it was totally like normal. Shirley Mc, McLean, who is the lead female in this, she blows me away. She's so amazing in this role. She really is. She's so delightful and charming and you just fall in love with her immediately. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know that I think that Jack Lemon is nearly as good as her. I don't know if Jack Lemon deserves her at the end. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but I mean, like, he's certainly a lot better than uh, like his boss, Sheldrake. Of course. Like Sheldrake, it's like, ugh gross get rid of him so I, I think she ended up with the right man but I it's just I, I don't know like I think Jack Lemon didn't quite have he's not who I would cast today but Shirley MacLaine I would cast like you know what I mean do you think that a film like The Apartment is uh continued relevance today do you think that there are still people who lease apartments so that they can get lucky in the city before going back to their family I kind of I kind of think that's a madman way of thinking about the world. And I don't know if that's still a relevant topic. I, I actually agree. I don't think that it's a relevant topic. And it's probably why this movie hasn't been redone. Where I could actually see like a reboot for this kind of movie would be to switch it down into like high school and and have it be where like one kid has parents who are always away and so the other kids are going to their house that kid's house to hook up. Like I think that it could be really relevant to redo that story but in high school. I don't think in the city. I mean like with Airbnb hotels all that stuff, you know, there are ways. You know what's funny is that uh just thinking about this and thinking about the idea of remaking the apartment, there was a Matthew Perry film called 3 to Tango where his boss asks him to keep an eye on his mistress who mm -hmm. is played by Nev Campbell. And he asks him this because he thinks that he is gay. And I think that's probably the closest we might get is a nineties version where he, where the boss feels like keep an eye on her because I don't think you're a threat because you're a homosexual. Now for the purposes of the film, Matthew Perry is not gay. 
And of no. course, there's a ridiculous thing that happens. But yeah, that's that, it's kind a pretty of a standard similar premise. Yeah, I, I guess that's the thing. Maybe that's what makes The Apartment such a good movie. Um, no one can do it quite the way that The Apartment did it. The world it builds feels like it. It's an accurate representation of that time because, like you've, everyone has seen Mad Men. Everyone hears stories. It just feels like that's what the fifties and sixties were. Yeah, definitely. And and the other piece of the puzzle is just how interesting the story is in the apartment of Jack Lemon watching over the apartment, making sure that all the men can do their thing. Like it's it's a bizarre film. But I think it's only bizarre to today's standards. I think the the thing that wins the movie for me is that Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine meet early and they have this great relationship right off the bat. And he's basically in love with her right off the bat. So yeah. as everything plays out, you really are rooting for them. Like, I think they could be good for each other. and they But they're both kind of weak individuals in their own way. And maybe totally. that's what made together they're stronger. Anyway, it's a great movie. It's my number three. What about you? What's your number three? Uh, so my number three is George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Oh, I still need to see this movie. And as a Pittsburgh, you know, liver. Native. Pit- native. Somewhat. Yeah, a, a person who lives in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I really need to see that movie. So I'm glad it's on your list. So the thing I love about Night of the Living Dead is that it gets right into the action and it, it it's never really been done as well. And because it's 1960s, it's protagonist who is like, you know, a woman who is meek and and worried about everything runs into a black man who ends up being the hero of the film. And I always think that's amazing Because this is right before the civil rights movement really came into full swing. And I I always find like when you can put a black man at that time in your film, especially a horror film, and he's the hero of your horror film. I got to respect that. And I and I just love the dynamic between the people trying to survive this crazy apocalypse. Now, of course. We've seen every incarnation of zombie now, but this was one of the first times we ever saw it. And I, I, I urge everybody to see it. It doesn't have copyright rights, so it's everywhere. You can watch it on Amazon. Pretty sure you can watch it on Tubi or any of the freebies. There is no excuse. You should watch Night of the Living Dead. The visceral gore stuff is so early that it's, it's kind of funny. But the terror is still there. I've heard that it's a, a real like drama, like a drama about what is humanity and, and what yes. does it mean to be a good person or a bad person. And Definitely. And, and, and what people are like, what people are like in an emergency and when they're all crammed together in one house and there's all this stuff happening outside, how do they react to that? And, you know, not well. <laughs> kind of reminds me of uh, a more recent film that we've watched in the recent past, Jay, in our last episode. <laughs> the Divide. The Divide. Yeah, it kind of has that idea of like what are humans when they're in that emergency situation and stuck together. And I bet you they're, the, I, I have a feeling they explore different types of 
aspects of humanity. And I'm not going to ruin the ending to Night of Living Dead, but it has one of the best endings. Horror endings are hard. We've talked about it on this podcast They're before. So you can have hard. a great lead up. Great, great lead up. And then your ending just spoils the film for the audience. Yeah. Night of Living Dead is not that. Huh. Interesting. Okay. I, I'm going to check this movie out. All right. I hope so. What is your number two? My number two is another horror film, and that's Psycho. Okay. The reason I wanted to do black and white movies is because of what Joe Dante, the director of Gremlins, had to say about the Psycho remake. He was talking to Gus Van Sant, and he's like, why would you ever redo Psycho? And he goes, well, you know, the generation today won't go and watch a black and white movie. And Joe Dante said, well, then fuck them. <laughs> because you absolutely should. I completely agree. Psycho is... I mean, it holds up. And and Gus Van Sant, for redoing it, like he redid it shot for shot just in color. It's not as good. And I don't it's know. It's nowhere near as good. And I don't think it's because of the black and white. I just think it's an inferior film compared to what Hitchcock gave us. When Gus Van Sant did it, everyone was working to replicate something, which is different from when you're creating or telling a story. They're not really right. telling a story with the Gus Van Sant version. And and the Hitchcock version, I mean, I think it's possibly his best film. Like, full stop. Nice. I Look, I love Psycho so much. I've, I've only seen it recently. It's number one on my honorable mentions. But it's not on your top three? Okay. All right, what's it your didn't number make two my top then? Three, because it's still so new to me. Like, I only saw it a couple of years ago. And these other ones I've been watching for a long time. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. I need to know what's your number two then. All right. Well, my number two is Schindler's List by Steven Spielberg. I watch this movie once a year. Becky and I both like put it on. Yes, it is hard to get through, but it's an important film and it is a moving, touching story. And it I mean, look, Ivana, you don't like war. No. So this is a horrifying war story about the Holocaust but it's a true war story. And I always think at the end of the film, every time we watch it, I'm like, we have to go to Oscar Schindler's grave and leave a stone. I just think it's, it's so beautiful how many people he saved. And, mm -hmm. and the ending of the film where it tears down this man of means where he says, this ring could have saved another life. And oh my God, it just guts me every time. And to think that Spielberg released it like the same year that Jurassic Park came out blows my mind and uh Schindler's List is better because it's in black and white maybe it's because of the little girl in the red dress I don't know but it's a it makes it a stark realistic picture in black and white for some reason there's no color correction there's nothing that looks fancier than it should it right. just is a horrifying time and, and the black and white, I think, elevates the film. Another movie I haven't seen. And this one, I have to say, I'm embarrassed to say that I've never what? seen You've it. never seen Schindler's? Look, I here's know. the thing. It's a hard watch and it's a hard sell because it's a film about the Holocaust. And, you know, some of the people you're going to love in that film are going to die. Yeah, but you're right. You got to see that stuff because then you you know it, you remember it, you have to, we have to hold these stories in our hearts or else I think we could 
succumb to like those bad parts of humanity. Exactly. Uh, what is your number one after Psycho? 12 Angry Men. All right. My number one is 12 Angry Men. I don't think we need to talk too much about it. No, we've, we've talked, talked about a lot movie. about 12 Angry Men. We've talked a lot about this movie. It's just that good. I mean, yeah. Like, to this day, the idea that a movie, a movie in a room with nothing, like nothing going on, can be that good. That kind of filmmaking is just shockingly expert because I don't think that very many people could could turn that into a compelling film. I agree because they've tried since. In the same way they've tried to redo Psycho, they've tried to redo 12 Angry Men. And I'm sorry, it is not the same as the original. Yeah, and I don't know. I couldn't tell you why. Why, what makes it different, what makes it stand out. But it does. It does stand out and it is different. And that's why I said at the beginning of this, like my my list is going to be pretty pedestrian. My honorable mentions is full of stuff that I'm going to recommend to you. But until we get to then, like, yeah, Night of the Living Dead, Schindler's List, 12 Angry Men, pretty pedestrian. <laughs> so well, we got our like number they're one. Actually that good. Yeah, we have they our number one. They are actually that's, that good. That's That's for sure. We have our number one. I want Psycho in there. I want Psycho in there for sure. I'm okay for the apartment to be out. Maybe Schindler's List. List? Yeah, Schindler's List. I like it. All right, let's do this. Let's count it down. Number three, Schindler's List. Number two, Psycho. And the number one black and white film of all time is 12 Angry Men. Let's recommend some honorable mentions. Why don't you kick us off? Uh, I just have two. Paper Moon and Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Oh, well, and The Lighthouse. Everyone should watch The Lighthouse. Oh, yeah, The Lighthouse. Oh, my God. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. It's definitely one of those movies that keeps popping up for recommendations. I just feel like I'm going to have to be in a mood, and I'm not in that mood. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. And, yes, it is the best if you can be in the mood. Um. I would say that The Lighthouse is actually a really great movie to watch during a fall rainy day, like in November. Like, that's how it feels. It feels like November. All right. I, like, hey, you know I am always looking for fall autumn films to add to my autumn movies list. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's an autumn movie, but... It feels like an autumn movie. But here's a question. Like, will you ever want to watch it again? It's definitely a repeat watch. Okay. It's super like fucked up. It's super fucking weird. And you're just kind of like, I don't even know. The first time I watched it, um, I haven't seen it like twice all the way through, but I've seen it twice ish. Yeah. First time I think I hated it. But then after I was thinking about it for a little while, then I like it grew on me over time. And then when I rewatch it, I'm like, oh, wow, this is really something. It's just like nothing else I've really ever seen. So it's like very interesting. There's a lot okay. of cool symbolism and, and mythology. And I like the mythology. All right. Well, I mean, all of that sounds really good. Okay. Paper Moon is five out of five for you on Letterboxd. And I have it on my to watch list. Why is it on there? I don't even know how I loved it so much, but I did like, so I saw it last year in Toronto. Um, 
at like one of those like outdoor theater spaces, a couple of mutual friends of ours, I, I was saying, hey, I'm in town. And they were like, well, we're going to this. Do you want to come watch? And I did. And it was amazing. And the film is like nothing I would normally pick up and watch, but I was riveted by it. It's about uh, a grifter who sells um, Bibles like to people. And oh. he's like a traveling salesman. And he ends up with this little girl and kind of traveling with her for a stretch. And it's all about their relationship. This little girl and this like grifter Bible salesman dude. And it's just great. Like it's a great movie. Okay. Uh, my honorable mentions. There's a lot here. So I'll go quick. Everybody needs to see the bicycle thieves. It happened one night. Frank Capra. Uh, Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai is incredible. It's over three hours, but it's amazing, and it's what The Magnificent Seven is based on. Inherit the Wind, this almost made it on to the list. It went back and forth because Inherit the Wind is about God versus science, and I go back to it a lot. Charlie Chaplin's The Kid is my favorite Chaplin movie. Clerks is... I mean, oh, shit, I forgot I about clerks. clerks. I forgot I, that Clerks isn't in color. Yeah, Clerks is great. Uh, Kevin, Sp- Kevin Smith's debut film, awesome. Casablanca, Yojimbo. I mean, it might be better than The Apartment. I don't know. It's between those two. <laughs> <laughs> Psycho, obviously. Uh, Harakiri, and I just watched it. And I got to say, The Lady Killers surprised the hell out of me it is from 1955 starts alec guinness and it's fantastic um but out of every like i recommend all these movies to you if you're having a hard time finding something to watch but starting with the bicycle thieves it's just bicycle thieves it's not the i keep saying the bicycle thieves is an italian film from the 40s and it is like it's magnificent it shows you poverty in a way I've never seen poverty. And huh. it's incredible. It's an incredible film. Uh, the Lady Killers is so much fun. I howled, laughed. Same with the kid. It happened one night. Um, if you're looking for a Western style thing, Yo Jimbo is what inspired the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly trilogy. Wow. I didn't even so know that was a, a trilogy. Yeah. Well, yeah, it starts with. A fistful of dollars and a fistful, uh, more than a fistful or something. I don't know. Or a fistful more or something. And then the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is by far the best of the three. But Yojimbo is really, really good. And uh, yeah, I, look, watch more old movies if you're you're complaining about what's going on new and what's happening today because that's what I've been doing in, in quarantine. And I'm so glad I did. Now, I noticed that uh, Casablanca isn't on your list. It That and Night of the Living Dead are on my, I really need to watch these ASAP. Oh, sorry. No, Casablanca is on my honorable mentions as well. Okay. I think okay, it's a, good. a really realistic love story. The, the fact that it gets humdrummed into like the best romances of all time, it's only a best romance because it doesn't happen, in my opinion. Right, 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 right. Well, I think that's why. Totally. I, I love a rom-com that ends up going, you know what? I don't need to be with that person. I love it. I It's fantastic. All right, Jay. I 
so normally we're on video and like we're actually chatting with each other. We can see each other. But today we cannot because I'm at the cottage and the internet is not fast enough to support video chat. How are you doing? And are you listening to me via Bluetooth like headphones or wired? So I am always wired whenever we do a podcast. I'm always nervous that uh, the Bluetooth will give out or the delay will be too much and, and the edit is like annoying because of it. But I do have a new pair of Google Pixel Buds that has been giving me a little bit of a hard time up until a firmware update this week. That's crazy. So you just got these. They were like, yep. it wasn't going well. And within a week, you have a firmware update that fixes the issue. I, I wouldn't say it fixes it, but it makes it a hell of a lot better. Okay. Well, what's going on? Every so often, it just drops the Bluetooth connection. I don't like, know if it's because like of it where I Like it just completely disconnects from like your phone, for example? I don't know what it does. So like I'm listening to a song and for half a second, I'll hear like a clip as mm. if the, the audio just dropped for a second or for half a second and then jump back in. Like I don't have to do anything. I just hear the clip and I'm like annoyed by it. Now, with that said, a firmware update went out and... It really doesn't do that anymore. Like if it's doing it, it's every 10 minutes instead of every one. And right. I feel like that. Okay. I can live with that. The other part of this is that I am coming from like Bluetooth heaven from the Sony MX triple zero three style. Like these are $500 cans and I've had wow. those on my head and those are like the noise canceling is incredible. Are those the over audios, ear or like they're over ear. ear? Yeah, they're okay, over well, that's ear. like a whole different like that's a different style of headphones. Yeah. So this is my first time like jumping into I got buds for the first time. Like I had the the wireless buds for riding around the city on my bike. Uh, the last Google ones, but they had a wire attached to them. This is my first like actually two disconnected things in my ear. So, but um, the best part about them, I got to say, when you're going to bed, putting one in your ear. Oh, I, I 100% agree. So I, I've been, I mean, I normally, it's my AirPods that I have. Um, I managed to leave one in Pittsburgh like an idiot. <laughs> and I've been borrowing Blake's, but for right now, I'm also on Wired while I figure out, like, what am I going to do next? Because I, I kind of feel like I need them at this point. As you said, like... Going to sleep at night, I need to be listening to something, and it's really hard to be tethered to my computer. <laughs> yeah, like last night, uh, it was really late because I had a an afternoon nap that went three and a half hours. Oh, <laughs> it was pretty bad. But I was listening to a podcast last night, and I, I could lean on one ear because there was nothing in it, and then on the other ear, very comfortably, I have the podcast. It's so nice, isn't it? It's amazing. And that way I'm not bugging Becky and I can like, you know, get in more books, more audio, more YouTube, more movies, whatever I want. I can get that going. I'm all for the Bluetooth revolution. I've been on it for a long time. But yeah, I just started with this new Buds pair and uh, they were giving me a little bit of, uh, they were giving me a little pain points. But I, again, I think you... Maybe this is a, a case of like 
I'm coming from $500 ones and expecting the same quality. I paid much less than that for these. So maybe it's a you get what you paid for kind of scenario because these are even, I think, less than the AirPods. Yeah, I've, I haven't, I'm not sure how much they are, but like, are they, if you were to like roll over, if you fell asleep with an, an, a Pixel Bud and you, and you rolled over, would you be comfortable still with it in your ear? Or would it just stick out so much you'd be like, ow, what's this? No, it doesn't really stick out very much at all. It would probably like go, ow. I'd probably like feel it jamming into my ear. Right. But it might, I, I mean, I might not. I, I haven't tried it. I haven't done it. I am I know you're different. You'll like stay the whole night with them in your ear. Yeah, like I fall asleep with it in my ear. And then usually I wake up in the morning and at some point it's fallen out and it's just like in the bed and I find yeah. it. Um, but sometimes it's still in my ear and I'm like, oh, oh, there we go. And like, so what are you going to get next? Are you going to get a new pair of those? Uh, yeah. Like I, my old AirPods anyway, were, they were like from the original release, which I think has been, it's been three years now or something. So they right. were kind of dying anyway. Like the battery life was pretty dismal on them. And I've just been kind of putting off being like, ah, it's fine. I can just keep switching AirPods every few minutes <laughs> while they charge. <laughs> But I'm still not buying anything because I'm not really sure, like, do I try these, like, pro AirPod Pros? Do I think that they're going to be comfortable? I don't really love silicone AirPods normally. Yeah. Are they going to be different? Like, I just, I don't know. I feel paralyzed by the choice, which I but guess I'm, is super lucky, to be honest. But I think we're we're very similar in that, like, we always want some sort of noise happening. Yes. Yeah, like, I find it very disconcerting not to have noise coming out and and lately I've been doing a, a lot more writing and so I have not been watching as much like television and movies as I normally do um but it's just switched me over to like constantly listening to music <laughs> totally yeah I uh oh my gosh I I'm gonna share something really embarrassing but I found an old iPod classic and I I was like how do I get all the stuff that's on this off so I found a way to do it, but of course, Apple encodes all the stuff that goes onto an iPod. So I right. got 41 gigs off this old iPod classic and I uploaded it to our cloud That's a network. lot in MP3s. <laughs> that is insane. It's like 10,000 songs almost. Yeah. And so I've uploaded it to our network, our cloud network, so that anybody can access, like anybody in the house can access but it's a mess. The encoding is all awful. So I have been earbuds in for the last 12 hours, uh, just kind of like renaming files and stuff, renaming files, making sure that there's art forum, making sure Are you that doing like, like, if like if everything, a, like all the metadata editing and everything like all that? the metadata, as much metadata as I can. Like it, I'm using a, a program called AMP. A-I-M-P, mm -hmm. and for the most part, like, I can just add the metadata and then upload, like, save it. It'll save really quick, and then I can download the key art to it if I got the metadata right. Sometimes I can't do that because I'm like, I don't want it to get from there. I want it to go to a soundtrack compilation from the Clueless soundtrack or something. Fascinating. So I have to go and I have to, like, download some key art and then upload that key art to the metadata. It's 
Look, it's a COVID project. I know it's ridiculous. We pay for YouTube music. I don't need to do this. <laughs> but it's comforting to like have have your earbuds in, be in front of your computer and listening to music. I just love it. I love it. I love it. Welcome in. It's time for Him Possible and Her Possible Trivia. Let's meet our contestants. It's been a little while since we've played trivia, and I'm so excited because it's back. The best part about trivia, you know, I, I think of the listener, Ivana. I think of our friends listening, and I want to make it like a little simple for them. So if you ace this quiz... It's not for you, Ivana. It's for those playing along. I often don't ace them, I feel like. You know what, though? I think you might today. Because I'm like, i looking at it, and I'm thinking to myself, you really made this easy. But maybe <laughs> I didn't. I don't know. Let's let's find out. So why don't you go first, and then, then I'll go. Okay. And you have a sound that I should listen to this time. I do. Can you explain to our listeners what we're doing again? I absolutely can. So we each are going to ask each other five trivia questions. We have 45 seconds on the clock to answer those five questions. If you get it wrong, the question will be asked again. If you say pass, the question will be asked again, and we'll just keep going in a circle for all 45 seconds, and then at the end, we tally our scores. Are you ready, Jay? You know what's funny is that you explaining it to me I forgot it was 45 seconds. So now I'm just adding 45 seconds to the clock. <laughs> All right. 45 seconds added to the clock. So, Jay, what's going to happen is you're going to play a sound that I have sent to you via email named Sound One. And, you um, got it. And you're only going to get to play it once. So pay attention. At the end okay. of that sound clip, then you can guess what the sound is. And the time starts. Okay, time starts as soon as the sound clip is over. Correct. All right. I am going to... Are you ready? Do I need to know anything else before we go? You do not. What is that right. sound, Jay? It's a vacuum cleaner. It's not a vacuum cleaner. Good guess, though. What is in a tequila sunrise? Tequila and orange juice. Anything else? Rum. <laughs> in Seinfeld's The Contest, who won the bet in the episode? George. What country consumes the most chocolate per capita? Belgium. Which of Shakespeare's plays is the longest? Uh, King Lear. What is that sound? It's uh, Eric. Oh, oh man. I, I thought you were going to get so many of these. I'm so sorry. I, I got none. I Am got I none. Am I doing it too hard? I don't no, know. No, you got what one. Did, you uh, got George. You got George. That was correct. I got George. Okay. So give me the other answers. All right. So the, the sound was a blender. It does sound a lot like oh, a vacuum, yeah. but it's not yep. a vacuum. Okay. The tequila sunrise is tequila, OJ, and grenadine. It's that sun. Grenadine. That's the thing that's yep. you, done to make it a sunrise because of the red. You know how like that there's that like red ribbon through a tequila sunrise. Oh, nice! I don't think I've ever had a tequila sunrise, but that sounds really good. Ah, um, and you were correct. George won the contest. 
And uh, Switzerland is the country that that consumes the most oh, chocolate. But you were sense. super close. Like Belgium, Switzerland. That, that would have been probably your next guess. And then what's the longest Hamlet. Shakespeare play? Hamlet is the longest Shakespeare Hamlet. play. Hamlet. Hmm. Okay. All right. So one. So you have to be one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. I will start the timer as soon as I ask the first question. Who will play the next Batman? Oh my God, what's his name? He was in the lighthouse. He dated Kristen Stewart. I pass. <laughs> what does EGOT stand for? Um, Emmy, Golden Globe, Oscar, Tony. What is the capital of Serbia? Oh God, that's embarrassing. Belgrade? <gasps> Belgrade? <laughs> Which animal is on the Porsche logo? Uh, isn't it a horse? What other name does corn go by? Um, Azure? No, that's blue. That's a maze. Maze. Who will play the next Batman? Um, fuck. What is his oh. name? <laughs> All right. So we got Robert Pattinson is going to play Batman next. Right. Yes. Uh, EGOT is Emmy Grammy Oscar Tony. Not oh, Golden Globe. Oh, okay. okay. Yes, you are right. Belgrade. You, you, you. I can't believe, like, I gave that to you. I was like, oh, I was born know. there. <laughs> <She'll know. laughs> um, there is a horse, in fact, on the Porsche logo. Okay, good. So that is your, at this point, I'm at two. Second right answer. But you did say maize at the very end of the corn. So uh, maize is correct as well. Oh, wow. So you wow. got three out of five, but like under the buzzer. Under like, the buzzer. That's correct. I can't believe. You almost didn't get your birthplace. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I was like, is it the actual, like, like the capital? Like, and how embarrassing is it that I don't know that? So I need to go and, like, study up on some, like, general knowledge geography, I think. Like, my favorite thing about you, Ivana, is that, like, you know, we share a lot of things. We share our Plex accounts yeah. with our, our bunch of movies. And you have, like, Serbia movies in your Plex account. I sure do. And I'm like, well, she's really, really like, you know, she loves her Serbian culture. And yet almost didn't get Belgrade. Yeah. Like, I guessed it. I I'm hope like, I know your it's parents a big city. aren't listening. <laughs> I hope they don't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is Top Drawer TV. Okay. Ivana, this was your pick, wasn't it? This is a very, a very you TV series. Oh, yeah. This is completely a very me TV series, but it's also such an important and cool series. Yeah, I agree with you. The star of the show is Rami, a single 20 something first generation Egyptian Muslim American who is having some trouble finding his footing when it comes to his faith. Yeah, like he wants to be a good Muslim, but he finds it challenging to do all the things that make you a good m Muslim. Um, washing your feet at the mosque, he's a little lazy there, dating within your community, and then it's strict guidelines and navigating all of this and how his parents seem to be so effortlessly together. Right. Not happy, but effortlessly together makes perfect sense. Uh, and he's he's getting pressure to find a woman to marry. Plus, 
he's afraid of the sex he's having with the Jewish woman he's dating because he could get her pregnant. Right. This results in Chloe, the Jewish woman, breaking up with him and he turns to his mother to set him up with someone. So the person he gets set up with is also Egyptian and they are chaperoned on their first date. Which adds to the silliness. <laughs> yeah. But then at the end of the date, his his date wants him to get it in. And surprisingly, <laughs> like, Rami puts his own judgment on dating a Muslim girl. And then he's, like, too self-conscious to keep going. Especially after she asks him to, like, choke her out a bit. And Rami leaves the date and laments about how he put all the stuff that non-Muslims put on him on this woman he went out with. Looks like it's not going to be so simple meeting his future wife. So, Jay, you know that I obviously loved this show. Uh, I'm almost halfway through the first season already. Uh, What do you think? I think this is such a cool show that, like, first of all, Rami is infinitely so likable. Oh, my God. He's so he just you like you really watch him just try to figure out. What does it mean to be a good person? All he wants to do is be a good person. That's all he wants to do. And he wants to do it within the guidelines of his family and his culture. And he well, and, just and, is and not having only that, a hard but time. also his Americanness. Like, I think that that's right. That's the thing about Rami is that there are like millions of people and, and I'm one of them. I'm, I'm not first generation. I'm a full immigrant, but I moved when I was young And I'm not Muslim, but like, I think that there's a universality to this story for anyone who comes from an immigrant family or is an immigrant themselves, because what you do is you find yourself in this really strange, like crossroads between the culture of North America and then the the culture you came from, and they don't always mesh. And I think that that's way more apparent when you watch like something like Rami where there's a lot of aspects of like being American that is very diametrically opposed to what a good Muslim would do. You know what I mean? Like with the drinking yeah. and all these other things that is are just normal in America. Of course. And, and you know, one of the interesting things about this time of life and watching a show like Rami is that, you know, white people like me, I am, sixth generation Canadian now I you know we I've had hard conversations with my parents about Black Lives Matter I've had hard conversations about immigration with my parents even though they raised me in a way to be open and uh, you know meet everybody I could and be as inclusive as I could there are interesting things about being white in Canada and especially about being sixth generation Canadian there are times when people who are like me say things like, why do they have to speak another language? Why aren't they getting accustomed to being in Canada? Blah, blah, blah. Why aren't they acclimating? And it's really easy to say that when you're sixth generation French descendant, but you've been here for six generations and this is all you know. When you are a first generation immigrant, that is... A totally different ball game. You are still remembering everything that made your culture the way it is. And you're trying not to forget what makes 
that part of you special? Yeah, I think it's a really valid question to sort of say like, well, what is shared culture when we live in a world where perhaps what we're actually trying to do is build a tapestry, like a quilt of like different cultures coexisting peacefully or or like... Or is there pressure to become all one culture? And is that good or bad? And I think that this show explores all those things. And I think by, uh, you know, if if all you're doing as like a white guy or a white woman is watching white programming, you're not, you're not allowing yourself to be the best kind of ally that you can be. And I genuinely believe that watching Rami kind of lifted a curtain on something that I had never really known i had never um seen before i'd never had those conversations with muslim friends of mine and it it definitely opens your eyes to a piece of culture that is happening around us all the time in north america all the time and and to to bring this to have this charming likable lead in this he's so likable into this is a fantastic, fantastic thing. I loved when he was trying to explain to the woman he's dating that every time they go out, he does not drink. And she had no idea. Yeah, because she just, like, he he would get a drink that kind of looks like a drink. <laughs> like, she was so funny. Yeah, she's, like, she's like, you're Muslim, but you drink. He's like, mm, no, I don't. No. <laughs> it's like, but last night you said like I don't want any more wine. It's like, yeah, I was at my limit, and my limit was none. <laughs> I love that was the best line. I was like, my limit was none. <laughs> exactly, you know. And I mean, it, but it also has a very interesting thing where she's like, I don't have a problem dating you because you're Muslim. You have a problem dating me because I'm not, and that opens up this really interesting. And different piece of racism or unconscious bias that we don't really get to see. Right. I, I, I love the show. I thought it was really funny, actually. I, I genuinely love the scene at the dinner table when he asks his mother to set him up and his sister goes postal. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. you are ruining my life <laughs> because now they're going to want me to get pregnant. <laughs> it was just so good and so and she's like cursing at the table and i genuinely was like are they gonna call her out on that no not at all not no, at all because like <laughs> that would require them acknowledging that it's happening and like it would be kind of fun for someone to do a show like don't get me wrong i like rami and i think the show's great and i want to see life through his eyes yeah. This show makes me want to watch another show where I see life through his parents' eyes because, like, what is it like to be Egyptian Muslim parents with, like, a kid who's, like, in your eyes so American and a daughter who is, like, you know, like a full-on feminist? And don't get me wrong, she should be. And her parents obviously, like, want that for her because they let her to be like they're not trying to stifle it they're not trying to yeah it does seem like the parents really respect what the kids want totally like they're like yes these are we moved to america and we now have american children and this is what it's like to have american children and that's right yeah and and i respect that because i think i see that in my parents a lot too um and 
I, I just I now I also want to see a show about the parents and what it's like to have these American kids that don't share your own culture. Like, what does that feel like? Because I'll, I'll not know that because I have I've been so you know, like Americanized in my in the fact of growing up here. Well, and maybe those are the conversations you're going to have with your own parents the next time you visit and you guys can like be like, hey, what was it like growing up and watching me? become as Canadian and North American as I am when you literally moved from a country that was a little more oppressive and didn't have the same values that the West does. Yeah. I mean, like, I think there's the intersectionality of it all is very interesting. And I don't know, I I see a lot that's super relatable about Rami. But then, as you said, like, there are aspects of it that opened up a whole new world to me. Um, I mean, I've been reading, I read a lot about like the, it's really random that I have read a lot of nonfiction books about uh, North American Muslims um, for a variety of things. And like, so like a lot of the stuff that you see in, in the show wasn't new to me, but I've never seen it before. I only read about it. I only read about people's feelings. It's so crazy to see it. And I'm like, oh, wow. And I think maybe... That is something that everyone should do is like go out of their way to watch content made by people who aren't exactly like you. Um, I mean, with all the Black Lives Matter stuff that has been happening, I don't know about you, but I've been reading a lot about the institutional ways that, uh, especially in the States, but also here in Canada, um, you know, we almost still have segregation. Just it's not the same way that we used to but it's still I mean you still end up with people growing up in like bubbles where they don't get to see other people outside of their own race and so if you are in a bubble then the best thing you can do is open your eyes to what is it like to be someone else and seeing content made by them I think is like a super smart way to introduce yourself when Black Lives Matter hit one of the things I did was I downloaded a bunch of I purchased, I shouldn't say I downloaded, I purchased and downloaded a bunch of um, comics that were written by people of color. And one of the comics that I did, it was a graphic novel, and it actually won the Newbery Award. The first graphic novel to ever win the Newbery Award. And it's called New Kid. And it's about a kid who lives in like Brooklyn and it's, you know, it's, people of color kind of neighborhood and then he um goes to a private school and because he goes to the private school he's he's treated differently there but then when he comes home he's also treated differently now in his neighborhood for going to the private school right so he's never really himself anymore it's it's amazing and it's a so the newberry award is award given for best uh, young or children's fiction. Mm. And it, this is the first time a graphic novel's ever won. It is an excellent read called new kid by Jerry craft. And I got to say like reach, like reaching out and checking out these other things that I normally may not have is, uh, I think making me, uh, more aware of my white privilege and making me just more aware in general. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think this show is that. I mean, obviously the show is not about uh, being black or being black in America. It's about being Muslim in America and 
different, but still, uh, still important. I feel like, and I can't wait for season two because I hear that Mahershala Ali joins the series, and like I cannot oh wait boy. to get there. <laughs> oh boy, that sounds awesome! So you have uh, have you finished it yet? Or are you? No, I'm, I'm still halfway, halfway, halfway through. Yeah, halfway. Keep going with. I don't know, but it might be. I thought it was excellent. All right, Ivana, what are we watching next week? What are you feeling like? I, I'm not really feeling a horror movie this time. Uh, yeah, I, I want to say that I want to give a little bit of a shout out to a new, uh, I think new anyway. We've just recently connected via Twitter a listener named Adam R. Stegert. I think that's how you say his name. Apologies if I don't Thanks know Thanks for how listening, to Adam. It. And like he recommended Aliens, which... Absolutely, Jay and I are going to do, but we're just not in that horror movie mode at this moment. So for the moment, I'm going to suggest we switch over to sort like a fun, what I imagine is like a action dark comedy. And it is okay. Guns Akimbo starring Daniel oh. Radcliffe. I have had a couple of people recommend that to me, so... I'm on board. Let's watch Guns Akimbo. The poster art is fucking unreal. I'm swearing a lot this episode. And uh, Daniel Radcliffe is like an amazing actor. I'm a huge fan of him. Would you say you have a little crush on Daniel Radcliffe? I absolutely do not have a crush on Daniel Radcliffe. He reminds me of my brother. Are you sure? 100%. He is the boy that lived. He reminds me of my brother. So no. No, no, I love him. But like, you know, like a brother, because he reminds me of my brother. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time. If you want to help us support the show, we would super appreciate it, especially since things have been slightly glitchy since we moved to Anchor hosting us. So what we could really use is your help. Please, please, please hop onto your podcast service wherever you're listening to us from. Um, Give us a rating. Give us a review. Reach out on Twitter. Anything. Our intro song comes from bensound.com, and we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and our sound effects. We also built a fancy website, moreofthemovies.net. And in case you hate fancy websites, you can email us at hello at moreofthemovies.net. We are also found on Facebook, More of the Movies Podcast. And catch either one of us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Ivana. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again soon with an all new commercial free episode. Until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. <laughs>